Welcome back, everybody. This is day number 91. Today we're going to read Judges 6 and 7. Yeah. I have had the song of Deborah stuck in my head oh. since yesterday. Oh, man. Catchy, it's always catchy on, tune. Yeah, repeat for me. Oh, my gosh. Repeat I always Deborah's think, song. You know, the part that really gets me is like, the kings <laughs> of Cain and Cain fought at mm. Tanakh near Megiddo Springs. Yep. Dude, that gets me oh, every yeah. time. It just sticks. It just yeah. sticks in my head. I'm like, so. Alexa, play a Deborah song. Play Deborah song. Chip's oh, favorite song. Oh, music. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. Well, no. Unfortunately, no, we nope. do have to move Sorry on from there. Yeah. So yesterday we read about a couple of ladies who really got the job done. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. So uh, we read about uh, Deborah as Israel's judge. We read about, um, you know, her victories and then her long, long song. Very catchy. Very well written. Very tasteful, I think. Um yeah, and now today we're going to move on to Judges chapter 6. Okay. Gideon becomes Israel's judge, Judges chapter 6. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to, star reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. The Lord, Gideon, replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, If you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it's really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. He answered, I will stay here until you return. Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat, and with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. Then, carrying the meat in, in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. The angel of God said to him, Place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of the staff in his hand, and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all that he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. 
When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It is all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in Aphra in the land of the clan of Abiezar to this day. That night, the Lord said to Gideon, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded. But he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. Early the next morning, as the people of the town began to stir, someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken down and that the Asherah pole beside it had been cut down. In their place, a new altar had been built, and on it were the remains of the bull who had been sacrificed. The people said to each other, Who did this? And after asking around and making a careful search, they learned that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. Bring out your son, the men of the town demanded of Joash. He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the Asherah pole. But Joash shouted to the mob that confronted him, Why are you defending Baal? Will you argue his case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. If Baal truly is a god, let him defend himself and destroy the one who broke down his altar. From then on, Gideon was called Jerubbabel, which means let Baal defend himself, because he broke down Baal's altar. Gideon asked for a sign. Soon afterward, the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east formed an alliance against Israel and crossed the Jordan, camping in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. He blew a ram's horn as a call to arms, and the men of the clan of Abiezar came to him. He also sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, summoning their warriors, and all of them responded. Then Gideon said to God, If you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the dry is ground, then I will know that you the driest ground. The ground is dry. That'll do it. Yeah. Then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. And that is just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowl full of water. Gideon said to God, please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time, let the fleece remain dry while the ground uh, around it is wet with dew. So that night, God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. Gideon defeats the Midianites. So Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I'll test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide them in two groups. In one group, put all those who cup the water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees, drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, With these 300, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. 
So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night the Lord said, Get up, go down to the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Purah. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you'll be eager to attack. So Gideon took Purah down and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore, too many to count. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream, and in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent and turned it over and knocked it flat. That's some bread. That's that heavy bread. (laughs) It's very dense. Yeah. His companion answered, your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all its allies. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. He returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. And he said to them, Keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too, all around the entire camp, and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon. It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the 100 men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the the horns in their right hands, and they all shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places as far as Bethshida near Zerari and the border of Abel-Meholah near Tabath. Then Gideon sent for the warriors of Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh, who joined in chasing the army of Midian. Gideon also sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down to attack the Midianites. Cut them off at the shallow crossings of the Jordan River at Beth Barak. So all the men of Ephraim did as they were told. They captured Oreb and Zeb and the two Midianite commanders, killing Oreb at the Rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb. And they continued to chase the Midianites. Afterwards, the Israelites brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan River. Zeb. Zeb. Good old Zeb. Now bad old Zeb and dead old Zeb. Yeah, that's true. Zeb is long gone. Yep. See a Zeb. Don't forget about Oreb. Oreb. Oreb and Zeb. Hey. Best buds. They were. Both dead. They are. (laughs) 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 Okay. Uh, That was a good reading. Yeah, it was good. So, what? (laughs) Yeah. So what does this mean? What do we do with that, well, Chip? Well, you got the whole, you know, was it 20,000 down to 300? Yeah. Something like uh, that. Yeah, 32,000 down to 300. 32,000 yeah. down to 300. Um, you know, so, you know, you got that whole lesson there where um, God can use a little to do a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and so we don't brag and we get the credit. He gets all the credit. So don't boast in yourself. Boast in the Lord what he does, what he can do. Mm-hmm. You got that lesson, and that's always good to keep in mind. Um but something that hit me was the fact that um, the fact that 
Gideon built an altar to the Lord and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord, the Lord is peace. Mm -hmm. The Lord is peace. And I think, you know, that's a timely word for you and I today, remembering that the Lord is peace. You know, um, there's a lot of conflict in our own country and around the world. And it's good to know that um, we have a God of peace that wants to uh, bring peace so that we have peace with God, but also the experience of peace of God. And we can have peace with one another. And, and it comes from the Lord. And sometimes, you know, I need that. I just got a lot of, you know, and, and just take, take you know, national and global out of it. Let's get personal. You know, it just sometimes there's just a lot of inner turmoil. And it's just good to know that the Lord is a God of peace and that he can give us peace during troubled times and difficulty and help us to make sense of things and uh, just trust in him. Sometimes when things get loud and crazy in our life, right, we just grab, grab for these idols and that sure. they're talking yeah. about here and uh, these idols. And, <laughs> and the one thing, oh, if I could find it, I marked it. I loved it. Oh, yeah. If Baal truly is a God, let him defend himself and, right. and destroy the one who broke down his altar. Yeah. So, you know, and we turn to these gods, and so they're not real. They can't defend. They can't do anything. We think they can. They can't. But when we're looking for peace, we'll turn to them, mm-hmm. whether it's our digital devices or whatever it may be, sure. uh, to look for that, that peace. But God's really the, the source of peace that we need. So we, I think, you know, uh, we just give it to him. We give our things to him. And I would be very specific, you know, what you give to him. And, and just allow the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, to guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I love that. I love that. So, so yeah, so where's, where's Jesus in well, these two chapters? Yeah, yeah. so um, again, I want to say uh, the whole purpose of Israel is to bring forth the Messiah, right? And, and it was really quick. It happened right at the beginning. It was really quick. It okay. said that, uh, and this isn't necessarily where Jesus is, but it's good context. It said that Midian tormented uh, Israel for seven years. Seven years is a long, stinking time. Like, we think of 40 years in the wilderness. We think of, you know, 400 years in Egypt. Yeah. And so we think, oh, well, seven years, that's not so bad. Imagine it being you who has no food for seven years, who's watching your brothers and sisters and children and, and parents starve to death for seven years while you hide up in the mountains, while you have to thresh wheat at the bottom of a wine press. Like, seven years is a long, stinking time. Right. Uh, So I just want to say that's the context of this, that they were and then and then the desperation set in and they looked in all the wrong places, like you said. Right. And I think that um, that is a microcosm of what the scene looks like when Jesus arrives, that it's now been 400 silent years where God has not spoken to these people. Mm -hmm. They've been conquered twice by the Greeks and then by the Romans in that time. Um, and then Jesus shows up on the scene and people are still clinging to the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Um, and even to the point, and I'm, I'm not trying to be allegorical, but I'm just trying to make some uh, parallels here, where the fuel for this bull, this sacrifice to God, was the Asherah pole, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the idols is burned, you know, to produce the, the sacrifice that was pleasing to God, mm-hmm. right? And then you look at the life and ministry of Jesus the idol that was in the way of Christ reaching his own people, the Israelites, um, was the law, mm. his law that was given, right? So this law that was given to show our, our 
failure, to yeah. show our imperfection, to show our sin. It couldn't save us, but yet it became the idol that they clung to because it was something that they could use to control people. And, I and, get it. Yeah. yeah. And so then uh, Jesus didn't come to destroy the law, so I'm not saying that he burned the law, but it is the altar upon which he was burned. It was the law that in their interpretation of the law that got him put on the cross and he was the pleasing sacrifice to God. Mm-hmm. And so I see a very clear picture of Jesus through the the suffering from foreign nations to the expectation to the burning of the idols or the you know the emancipation from idols and then the the pleasing aroma uh to God, the pleasing sacrifice to God and then victory. Mm. Right? So I see you know that pattern the Bible is full of patterns. It's not allegories. No one would have read this. And this, the New Testament does not confirm that this, you know, that's the purpose of the story. But the Bible is full of these patterns because it's the character of God. Yeah. And so we'll see it again and again and again. And I see that here in this passage. This is a picture um, of what to expect when Messiah Jesus comes. Hmm. So that's where I see Jesus in this passage. Yeah, very good. Very good. And you mentioned the seven years, and some of you are thinking, you know what, I'm in the middle of a seven years of craziness right now. Yeah. So we, we pray for God's peace to be with you today and, and keep your eyes on Jesus because he is the fulfillment of all that. Yeah. And, and we'll help bridge that gap. And nothing else, you know, there's nothing else you can cling to that's going to yeah. give you the hope that Jesus yeah, brings. That's true. So. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Amen. All right, guys. Hey, I, well, hey, great job. All right. Hey, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a great day. Yes, indeed. Bye.